Uh, If you missed last week, you don't know that we started a new series of talks where we are looking at a few instances in the Gospels where Jesus said, I am. And last week we looked at John 15, where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Who is God? He is the vine. Who are we? We are the branches and we want to stay connected to him. Because branches that are connected thrive and branches that are not die. We left with two prayerful connect questions that we named connection reset questions uh, that will help all of us direct and redirect our minds off the things less than God and back onto Almighty God. And those questions were, God, what do you want me to know? And God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? Uh, We want to stay connected. Why? Because when we're connected, then the fruit that comes from our lives will reflect what we're connected to. What we are connected to determines the fruit that will come from you. And if our lives are not producing the fruit that we want to be produced in our life, if we're not responding out of the fruit of the Spirit in hard, complex, challenging situations of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control is not just coming out of you. If you're not walking in the fruit of victory in your mind and in your heart, then the question is, are we connected? Because connected things bear Fruit, branches that are connected to the vine bear fruit, and branches that are not don't. Today, we're going to build on this by looking at John 6, verse 35. And it says this Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life of life. Uh, last week, Pastor Chris uh, Paget. If, you, if, if you're new, you need to know there's a lot of Chris's on staff. Um, and uh, they kind of fight for who will be referred to as Pastor Chris. They'll call the other one Pastor Otts or Pastor Paget and say, I'm Pastor Chris and that's Pastor Otts or whatever. But Pastor Chris Paget, who's our, who oversees all of our global stuff, um, uh, last week uh, helped us it really reminded us that we're a go church. We're a church that goes. We, we talked about these impact trips that we do on the summer, in the summer months, where we go into different nations, different places with the singular mission of loving our neighbor and telling them about Jesus. Uh, and these impact trips will change your life. And I want to encourage you, pray about jumping on one of the trips that are going to happen in the summer because you will be changed because you did. Now, I, I led one of these trips. I've led a few of them. I led one of them the summer of 2009 uh, to this northern city in Uganda named Gulu. And actually, uh, it's, it's kind of cool, kind of a full circle moment. Now our church has a family that lives and serves in Gulu, loving the people there um, and sharing the gospel, seeing people saved, raising up leaders and making disciples. They're doing an incredible job. But what we were doing in 2009, we were working with local pastors who wanted to reach these very remote villages all in the region of northern 
Uganda. And so we spent about three weeks in a village that's not even on the map. It's called Bia Bia. And uh, Bia Bia had no running water, no electricity, uh, nothing but huts and people. And uh, it was a very simple place, but it was also a very beautiful place. And uh, one of the things that happened was that we had this amazing lady that would come everywhere that we went, and she would cook for us two meals a day. And they were incredible. The only challenge was they were the same two meals every day. All right, so three weeks, the same two meals every day. And we were just eating it over and over and over again. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when you eat the same thing over and over again, you are starving at the same time you're not hungry. Right, you're like, I just don't know if I could eat another piece of cabbage or this like random super dense mashed potato dish that you could like make a sculpture out of, and we did. It's like, I don't think I could eat that again, okay? I mean, she was doing an incredible job, but after three weeks of the same two meals every day, we were tired of eating it. Now, fast forward, we're at the end of the trip, and so we're leaving out of the capital, so we drive a long way. We end up from Bia Bia, we go back to Gulu, then we go to Kampala, which is the capital. We have a few hours to kill. We're like, hey guys, let's just walk around, and Kampala is an amazing city, like completely different from the village life that we were experiencing in Bia Bia. I mean, it's, it's just everything that you would want. There's fast food, there's everything. We're walking down the street, killing a couple hours, and we just get hit in the face with this amazing aroma. We're like, we've got to find this. Whatever we're smelling, we need it. You know, like, like right now, we've been having crazy mashed potato, weird cabbage dish, and maybe meat every fourth day that we didn't know where it came from, and we need to find what we're smelling. And so we walk up on this restaurant that was called Nando's, and we walk into Nando's and, and just feast, okay? Feast. I mean, we ate everything. I ordered a second portion. I mean, it was like amazing. This chicken was so good. You can ask my wife. I came home talking about Nando's chicken. I, I literally, hey, babe, it's good to see you. How, how, how's everything been here at home? You'll never believe what I ate last night. When we left Kampala at this place, and I went online, I checked, is Nando's ever coming to America? I'm Googling. I'm, I'm trying to order their sauce online to get it because it was just amazing. Like, I, I was absolutely blown away. I was captivated, dreamed about it, longed for it for years. I'm leading another trip. Cape Town, South Africa. Shout out the Grants. Uh, our South African elders that are in the house, Kusi Siki Lele Africa. I tried to say God bless Africa, but um, so I'm in I'm in I'm in Cape Town and I'm needing to knock out some some work and so I was told there was this mall has great Wi-Fi so. Drop the team off, go to this mall. I'm walking in, like looking for a place to, to sit. And like a beacon of neon light, there's the sign, Nando's Chicken. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, man. After six years of longing for this experience, like here I am again, like able to just partake in the greatest chicken that's ever been made ever. 
And so like, I don't even, I'm like, all right, dude, mission, the first level of this mission of doing my emails is to eat some Nando's chicken. Like that must happen first. And so I, I go, wait in line, I order it, I get my food, you know, like it comes in like a little bag thing. I like go back, I start unpacking. And, and as I'm like unpacking it, I, I am being hit with the fact that, that this is a little different than I remember it. I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but like I had this vivid memory of what I was getting ready to partake. And now I'm looking, I'm like, this doesn't look world class. Doesn't smell world class. Chicken looks a little dry. You know, it looks like they didn't care. And, and, and I, I, but I'm pressing forward. I'm like, you know what? It's going to be amazing. Like this is the greatest chicken that's ever been made by anybody. I love Nando's chicken. And so I take a bite. And man, the level of disappointment of the mediocrity of what I was tasting. I, I was frustrated. I was angry. And I thought, you was like, you know what? It must be this. This, this must be the, 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 the armpit Nando's. You know what I'm saying? Like, surely there's a better one, you know, like that, that cares, you know, like that cares about what they're doing and wants to carry on the brand. You know what I mean? Like for people like me that want to follow it, right? And, and so I asked my friends who live in Cape Town, they're like, oh, dude, you ate it Nando's, dude? Place is horrible. I'm like, no, <laughs> not in Kampala, it's not. This is the greatest chicken I've ever had. And so I'm like confused and frustrated. And then all of a sudden it hits me. When you get hungry enough, when you get hungry enough, we will eat anything and we will think it's good. When we get hungry enough, we will eat anything and think it's good. And so after three weeks of having some crazy dense mashed potatoes and cabbage, I was willing to feast on something that maybe wasn't as good as I thought it was, but when you're hungry enough, we will eat anything. Look, we, we know this is true when we get physically hungry, but here's what I hope we realize this morning. It's also true when we get spiritually hungry. It's also true when we get spiritually hungry. Jesus calling himself the bread of life shows us that there is a soul hunger that needs to be satisfied in us as well. Jesus would often call attention to our need to not just fill our stomachs, but to fill our hearts. We see this in John 4 when he approaches the, the woman in Samaria that is at the well and he asks her for a drink. And then he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He goes on and says, everyone who drinks this water, speaking of the water in the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water. Somebody say amen. Become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus satisfies the thirst of our hearts. Matthew 4, Jesus is fasting for 40 days. He's in the wilderness. He's, and the devil comes to tempt him and he says this, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
Jesus is hungry. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. The devil's like, hey, if you really are who you say you are, just tell these rocks to become bread. And Jesus' answer is, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We live with two kinds of hunger and thirst. We have two kinds of hunger and thirst. Our bodies get hungry and thirsty and our souls get hungry and thirsty. And when Jesus says that he is the bread of life, and then he goes on and says in John 6, verse 53, he gets, I mean, you want to talk about a quick way to shrink your following. John 6, verse 53, very truly I tell you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Jesus kept it light, right? He was seeker friendly. No. Jesus was a gangster. He's like, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me, the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus is not calling his disciples or to us to cannibalism. That's not at all what he is saying. He's not saying like, yo, you got to eat my physical body. You have to drink my blood. No, he's calling us to a lifestyle of our souls feasting on who he is. He is the bread of life. This is why we take communion at church. This is, we, we do it as a place of remembrance of what Jesus did for us and to be a picture to us that Jesus feeds our souls as we are physically feeding our bodies with bread and drinking juice because we're saying, you know what, we, we want to remember, we want to experience like physical nourishment and we want it to remind our hearts that who Jesus is is he fills our spiritual nourishment as well. There are two kinds of hunger. We get physically hungry and we get spiritually hungry. But hear me, when our souls are full, we don't act like fools. When our souls are full, we don't act like fools. So here's the question, the question for us this morning. Are we as intentional to feed our souls as we are about feeding our bodies? Are we as intentional about feeding our souls as we are about feeding our bodies? They both get hungry. And when we get hungry enough, we'll eat anything. But hear me, not everything is what we need to eat. Look, we've all heard the old proverb, you are what you eat. How many of you heard this? Right? I worked at a gym many years ago. Our version of it was what you eat in private, we will all see in public. <laughs> it's like very, very simple. You know, it's like, I'm having trouble getting results. Well, what are you eating when no one's watching? Because now we can all see it. Don't tell me that's nothing but celery and pretzels. Right? Like, what we eat in private, we all see in public. We know this, dude. We know that the food that we put in our bodies has an effect on our bodies. Right? When we eat right, we feel right. But we don't always eat right. 
Because the things that aren't right taste so dang right. No one thinks, you know, it's the best way to start your day? Donuts. I've never heard that. I've never heard anyone say, like, you know what you should do? Man, you should really pound about 12 glazed donuts in the morning. You're going to feel awesome. No one's going to say that. But we all want to do it. And, and we want to do it because they taste good going down. It, it tastes good. And if you get hungry enough, you'll eat anything. We, 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 we want to like, okay, man, yeah, I just want to dabble in this. It's not going to have an effect on you. No, no, no. What you put in you always will come out of you. What you eat in private, we will all experience in public. Tastes good going down. But after you eat 12 donuts, all you want to do is lay down. It doesn't, it doesn't give you any fuel. It doesn't fuel you for the day. It doesn't satisfy you for the day. Look, my, my sons, are I have two 13-year-old boys, and they're at that age now where it's like they, will, they eat anything and everything all day and all night. You know what I'm saying? Like they're just constantly, constantly eating. Like they're never full. And you'll even tell, you'll ask them like, yo, are you full? They're like, no, I'm just tired of eating. It's just like a bottomless, you know. It's like, no, I'm still hungry. I'm just tired of chewing. I'm going to give it a minute. I'll be back in about two hours for another grazing, right? Like, and, and the, it's both of them. Like, they just, they just eat everything and anything that you put inside. Because of that, my beautiful wife does an incredible job of trying to load our house with good choices, okay? But they're not all good, all right? There's some freedom in the house, all right? There are some Oreos that exist, some frosted flakes. There are things that are so good but aren't good. Can I get an amen, right? So Tate, this happened just like last week. Tate is like, Dad, I think I'm getting sick. I'm like, oh, bro, what's going on? He's like, man, it's just like all of a sudden, like I don't have any energy. It's like my head's hurting. I'm like, well, dude, it's like 5 o'clock. You might just be hungry. And he's like, Dad, I've been eating all day. I was like, well, what have you been eating? And he like, you know, starts going down the list. Well, I had this, and then I had this, and then I had this. And it's just like nothing but like candy, carb, sugar, candy, carb, sugar, candy, carb, sugar. Right? I mean, it's just, and I'm like, dude, I don't think you're sick. I think you're crashing. <laughs> this is what happens when you eat a ton of sugar. There's a crash at the end of it. You're living in the crash right now, brother. <laughs> right? You, you, you ate a lot of things that looked good but they did not do your body good. Because when we're hungry, we will eat what? Anything. And so we have to keep our souls full so that we don't act foolish. Look, the funny thing is, we all know this. No one sitting in here is going, man, that is this great advice. I should not eat, I should not start my day with a bunch of sugar. I should eat some good quality food. No one's just like, dude, way to go, Griff. Like, I've never heard that before. I knew I always get some cutting edge revelation here at Antioch. No, everybody knows this, but we all still do it. We all still do it. And, and look, we, we do it with our physical bodies. We'll run after the things that look good, but are not good. And you know what? We do it in our souls as well. We do it when our souls get hunger, but hungry. But here's the deal. Soul hunger is not like stomach growling body hunger. 
soul hunger emerges, it comes out in like longings, desires, fears. Have you ever been in a room filled with people, but then all of a sudden you start feeling alone? Your heart's not getting something that it needs. And so it's looking for something to fill its loneliness. And you're in a room full of people, but your heart is still hungry. Because if your soul's hungry, you're going to look for anything to fill that hunger. You ever been in a conversation? You're literally talking to someone, but all of a sudden you start feeling misunderstood and invisible? Your soul, like these moments, tell us a lot about the state of our souls. We're longing for something that we're not finding. And when our souls get hungry enough, we will eat anything to fulfill and satisfy that hunger. This is one of the many reasons why pornography is so rampant and dangerous in our culture. Because when your soul is hungry to be desired, to be seen, to have intimacy, pornography gives the illusion of those things. Gives the illusion of those things for a moment. And you think you're getting what you want, but you're not. And it always leaves you emptier than how it found you. But it's not just porn where we can go to try to fill these places in our hearts, these longings. It can literally be food. It can can be food. Like, oh, it's been a hard day. You know what I need? I need to stop and get a hamburger on the way home. We're trying to fill something but it's the illusion of fulfillment. It's the illusion of satisfaction because as soon as that hamburger digests, that longing, that frustration is still in you. It could be alcohol. You could be so tied up in knots and twisted in knots for the stress of the day, the challenges that you're facing, the frustration you're having with your spouse or with your kids, and you're looking to the glass of wine to unwind you at the end of the day. I mean, if I could just... If I, could just have the, if I could just get a Frappuccino from Starbucks, then I'll feel better. Well, we tell our kids this all the time. Don't be fooled. That's exactly a McDonald's milkshake. They just put it in a fancier glass and charge you $5. <laughs> That's all it is, man. Feel better about it because you're not at McDonald's. It's the same thing, man. I worked at Starbucks. There's a lot of sugar in that thing. I'm like, oh, if I could just get that. Oh, man, you know what I need right now? I need a Frappuccino then, you know what, I deserve it. It's been a hard day. There's a lot of longing in me, man. I need to fill this with something. So we'll, we'll chase after porn, food, alcohol. But it doesn't work. Some of you are like, man, dude, I'm so thankful for that list because I'm none of those things. (laughs) I got one for you. Sometimes it's just working. Sometimes it's just, you, you feel like you've got to grind 
so hard and stay so busy and your plate stay so full because when you're that busy and you have those many things going on, you can't fear, or excuse me, you can't feel the fear of failure that's choking you out. And so you're like, oh, yo, well, I don't have that issue, man. I'm not going for that. But you, you can't stop working. You can't not check your email on Saturday. You can't not put your phone away at the end of the day. Everything feels like it has to happen right now and nothing needs to happen right now. Like I started making decisions this way years ago. If I start feeling hurried in my spirit, I always just stop. I'm just not going to make a decision feeling hurried. But we just, we grind. We can just drive ourselves. We're like, you know what? I have to fix the world. I have to solve this problem. I have to create a huge company. And we just keep going because our worth is tied up into it. Our values tied up into it, and it distracts us. The busyness distracts us from the fear of failure that we're feeling. And our heart is just grabbing for something to make us feel anything but that. What we're actually needing is the bread of life. What we actually need to feast on is the bread of life, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And he said, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Our fight to stop turning to things that look good but aren't good is a simple fight of consistency. Because when our souls are full, we will not act like fools. I want you to jump with me to Exodus 16, which is the story of God providing for the people of God as they were in the desert after they'd been delivered from Egypt. And Exodus 16 shows us how we consistently keep our souls fed by looking at how God consistently kept the people fed. We're actually going to start Exodus 16. We're going to start in verse 2. It says this, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Remember, they were just in slavery. But I want you to take note of how vulnerable and delusional we become when we're hungry. We become vulnerable and delusional when we're hungry. The people were like, you know what? I wish God would have left us alone so we could have just died where we were as slaves, man. Because you remember, like, you remember being beaten all the time and, like, having to work these crazy hours. And they worked us to death and they were killing our kids. And that was a good time. Because why? We had food. Hunger will make you vulnerable and delusional because when we're hungry, we act foolish. When we're hungry, we choose foolish things. Sometimes we hear stories of people like throwing their life away, just like completely throwing their life away, leaving their families, making horrible, bad decisions, squandering their wealth, 
And it can leave us looking at what they had and what they did and going, how? Hunger. It was soul hunger that drove them off the cliff. Hunger makes us vulnerable and delusional. And if our hearts are starving, we will stop at nothing to fill it. Physical and spiritual hunger makes us vulnerable and delusional. We have to stay full so that we don't start acting like fools. Let's go on to verse four. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you and the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. I want everybody to shout that day. That day. Gather enough for that day. God's provision for us is daily. Hear this. Some of you come to church and try to get enough for the week. What fed you yesterday is not going to feed you tomorrow. It's not going to do it. Your heart's going to become vulnerable and delusional because if your soul is hungry, hunger makes you act foolish. God's provision is daily. Look, he made it so clear to the people that were wandering, the people of God in Exodus 16, verse 20. Some people were fearful that the provision of today will not come tomorrow. And so they gathered what? More than they needed instead of gathering what they needed for that day. And it said in verse 20 that it would get full of maggots and began to smell. God would rot it because he was showing them that his provision for them is daily. Go get what you need for that day. God was reinforcing to the Israelites and to us that he is faithful to provide what we need today. And our souls were made to feast on the daily provision of the bread of life. My, my freshman year in college, I went on our Awaken spring break trip. And if you're a college student in the house, I want to encourage you, go to Awaken. It's like an impact trip missed with a conference. It's an incredible, life-transforming time. And um, at the very beginning of the trip, they said, hey, they actually brought this up. They're like, hey, the people of God, God provided for them bread every day. And they would go out in the morning and they would gather the bread that they need for the day. And as they gather the bread for the need for the day, they had the sustenance that they needed to be able to make it through the day. And so they're like, hey, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to get up in the morning And we are going to feast on Jesus, the bread of life. We are going to get full in our spirits. We're going to rest in his word. We're going to rest in his presence every morning. And then that is going to give us what we need throughout the day. Now, here's the thing. I grew up in the church. I have heard my entire life that you should start your day with devotion. How many of you have heard this? I think if you went to church even one time. Okay, a lot of you were unchurched. Okay, that's cool. I'm glad you're here. But but if you just went to church one time, You heard, man, you should probably start your day reading the Bible, right? Here's the problem. I didn't know anyone who did that but my dad. I didn't know anyone who did that consistently. And so I thought, man, Lord knows I never did it consistently. And so I thought like, okay, cool. I know how this is going to play out. Monday, man, we're going to be up early feasting on the bread of life. Tuesday, we'll get up a little later. Wednesday will be a little later. Thursday, we're not even getting up. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I know how the story ends. I know the excitement of the beginning and it's gonna wear off 
and, and none of us are going to do it, but we're all going to say that we did. Man, I couldn't have been more wrong. Because every day I was waking up in the morning and I was feasting on the bread of life. And it was amazing because for the first time, as a 19-year-old, I'm surrounded by beautiful women and my mind is not in the gutter. I was shocking myself. First time that I could remember the insecurity that I just lived with that just would like tie me up in knots was just not there. It, 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 just, it just wasn't there. And it was because I was spending daily time feasting on the bread of life. And when my soul was full, the cravings that I thought that I would always have that would derail me and tempt me to take my eyes off God and put them on things less than God, things that look good but don't satisfy me, all of a sudden my soul didn't have the craving that I had become accustomed to because I was feeding it every single day. Look, my life was changed not at what was happening in my time with God. It was changed because it was consistently happening. I was consistently feeding my heart and the cravings and the desires and the junk of my life that I thought would always be an issue all of a sudden were non-issues. Now, I want you to real quick think back to the most important thing you ever heard last week. All right, most important thing you ever heard last week, what you're connected to determines the fruit that comes from you. And as I was daily feeding my soul, staying connected to the vine, these, these old cravings just went away. Our fight for freedom in our life is a fight to stay full. It's, it's, it's a fight to stay full. Hear me, just, just like God provided for the Israelites in the desert, he gave them what they needed to stay full. Jesus has come to us in our desert so our hearts can stay full. So, so the cravings aren't tempting to us because we aren't hungry because Jesus is our daily manna from heaven. He is the bread that will sustain us and hold us through temptations, the things that, that we try to run to to satisfy the hunger, the soul hunger that looks good but is not good, those things that only hold the illusion of satisfaction when our soul is actually full on the bread of life, they're not as tempting as they used to be. John 6, verse 48, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, and your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So how do we keep our hearts full? How do we do it? How do we live constantly feeding our souls? How do we live being as intentional about feeding our hearts as we are about feeding our bodies? It's super simple. Are you ready for the most important thing that you're ever gonna hear? Soul meal prep. 
soul meal prepping. Have you heard of meal prepping? This is what you do, right? You prepare all of your food. Why do you do that? Because when you get hungry, your food is already prepared for you. And so the temptation to go to things that look good but aren't good is way less because you don't have to do anything except grab the food you've already prepared, heat it up, and you can fill your body. That's what meal prepping is. It's the easiest way to eat right because it takes so much of the temptation away to eat wrong because we have already put in front of us the food that we should eat. Soul meal prepping. It's the same thing. Soul meal prepping. Three things that you should do to soul meal prep. You have to know what you're reading. You have to know what you're memorizing. And you have to know when you're going to do it. You have to know what you're reading. You have to know what you're memorizing. And you have to know when you're going to do it. To start your day eating with the bread of life, you have to know what you're going to read. Because if you don't know what you read, what you're going to read, you will not read. You won't read consistently. Look, I'm a huge fan of walking through books of the Bible. I love to do that. There's also amazing resources on the Bible app. There's different kind of models that you can go through that gives you daily readings that you can do. It's not so much what you're doing, hear me, it's that you are doing it. That we have the daily feast on the bread of life. And look, know what you're memorizing. You know, scripture memory is a lost art. It's a lost art, man. It is a, it is a rad weapon. It's an awesome weapon. When the word of God, what you're doing when you're memorizing a scripture is that you're imprinting it on your heart and in your mind and that when you are tempted, it is what you have imprinted in your heart and your mind is what comes up. I, I used to say all the time, it's like I don't want to show up to a gunfight without any bullets. And if the devil's going to be shooting at me, I want to have bullets in my gun to shoot back at him. Some of you are like, dude, that's really intense. I'm an intense guy, I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Scripture memory is a weapon for us to defeat the enemy. Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil in the desert, how did he respond? With the scripture, Deuteronomy 8.3, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What we put in us will come out of us. We have to put it in. We have to give ourselves a chance. You've got to feed your soul. Because if you don't feed your soul, you will make foolish decisions. Because when you get hungry enough, you'll eat anything. You'll do anything to satisfy that hunger. And look, you have to know when you're going to do it. None of you are wondering if you're going to eat lunch today. None of you, like, wake up in the morning, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to eat today. No, we map our life around when we're going to feed our bodies. You realize how much we do it when you fast. How many of you have ever fasted before? And you realize like, dude, my whole life revolves around when I'm going to eat. Right? It should be the same for our soul. You should know when you're going to feed that thing. You should know when you're going to take time and stop and, and feed your soul so that you're walking around full-hearted, so that you don't make foolish decisions because your soul is longing for something that the only the bread of life can satisfy, but you're being tempted by all of these donuts and things that look good and look like they're gonna do good and make us feel better and we just keep grabbing for them and they leave us emptier than they found us. 
You have to know what you're reading. You have to know what you're memorizing. Let me encourage you, get a scripture, meditate on it. Man, there's no bad scriptures. None. Except there's this one. It's not a bad scripture, just out of context, it's confusing. And it was the scripture that my younger brother in college gave as a word to everyone to confuse them. And we had to tell him, stop, bro. Don't play with God like that. Like, come on, man. He's like, it's hilarious, though, when they go look it up. That was my brother, not me. His name is Jacob. He lives in Houston. You can email him. So here's the deal. Know what you're reading. Know what you're memorizing. And know when you are going to do it. Soul mill prepping will help us take our eyes off of things that are less than God and keep them focused on Almighty God because when we keep our hearts full with the bread of life and the cravings and the temptations and the foolishness of this world becomes very, very simple to say no to because we're not operating from a place of hunger. We're operating from a place of satisfaction. You got a soul meal prep. You got to know what you're reading. You have to know what you're memorizing. You have to know when you're doing it. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. If you're here this morning and you need a fresh word from God, something that we do here at Antioch is that we're like to say that we're responders. We, we want to be those who respond to the word of God. We don't just want to be hearers. We want to be doers. And sometimes we, we create space at the end of the service where we can literally get out of our seats and come forward as an act of obedience saying, you know what, like I am going to be one who feeds my soul just as intentionally as I feed my body. And if you need a fresh word, if you need some encouragement, man, if you need anything, if you're just like going through a tough season, you need somebody to get around you, some, some, some people to come and support you and to pray for you, man, don't leave today without getting that. And here's the most important thing I'm going to say all morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, if you have never surrendered your life to him, if you have never said, you know what, God, you're in control and I'm not, I'm tired of trying to make my life happen. I can't do it. We can't do anything without him, but guess what? We can do everything with him. We have to surrender to the living God. Jesus made a way for us to know him through his perfect life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, making a way for us to experience forgiveness and freedom. And here's the coolest part, relationship with him. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and you have not surrendered to him, as we worship, I want you to do some conversations with the living God because you need him. Your soul is longing for something that you will not find will fulfill it unless you go to him, the bread of life. Do me a favor, just close your eyes, bow your heads. If you want to surrender your life to Jesus this morning, just really quick, I, I just want to pray with you before we worship and all respond. Just, just throw your hand up in the air. Just let me see you. Amen, I see you. 
Amen. If that was you, I want you just to pray this simple prayer after me. There's nothing about the prayer. It's all about the surrender. To say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Set my life on the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Jesus, we just say, give me today my daily bread. Give me today my daily bread, my provision for today. In the chaos, in the uncertainty, in the fear, give us today our daily bread. In Jesus' name.